I was just looking for a passage to share, and the passage I had in mind, do you think you can find it when you want it? You just can't. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem to, uh, to get there. But there's another passage. Uh, we just uh, sang the song that says, our hope, our hope is in only one person, the one that can help us. And uh, Paul writes in Thessalonians, he says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We hear of loved ones that pass away and we say, how can I be thankful? It's difficult. But there are always things to be thankful for. If we know that they are in the Lord, we can be thankful if we know that there is a heavenly future, we can be thankful. And so this morning, as we just think of uh, Rita's sister-in-law who's passed away, we think of Rita and the family. And uh, also don't want to pass by Bill, whose, whose wife had passed away. These are hard circumstances. Yet in all of that, we can still be thankful. Uh, I know there's a number of requests here, but I, I just want to ask if we could do this. I'm just going to ask for people to pray. If, if there's somebody that has a request, and maybe we can use a mic. There's a prayer request that hasn't been put in the bulletin. Somebody wants to share? God is answering all kinds of prayers. Amen. <laughs> Nobody has any requests. That's wonderful. <laughs> Maybe you're a little uncomfortable with this. That's all right, too. I'll just take uh, a few moments and, and pray then. Uh, let's just, uh, do you want to stand as we pray this morning? Father, this morning as we come, you are our rock, you are our salvation. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. And yet you have blessed us with this wonderful family. And we thank you. We thank you for the person that sits beside us. We thank you for the person that's in our home. We thank you for those that surround our lives. And yet, Lord, we know that in many cases, we lose the person we love. And it's difficult. And so, Father, this morning, we want to pray for Rita and the family. We want to pray for Bill and his family. And Father, we lift them up to you. You are the one who will carry them through this difficult time. And Lord, we have a great hope, and that hope is in you. And so we lift them up and ask that you would strengthen them and encourage them. Father, we look at the list of those who, who are on our prayer list. And Lord, I don't know what all the needs are. But Lord, you know each person's individual need. And so we lift those needs up to you. And we ask that you would answer. Answer their prayers. Father, we lift this family of believers up here this morning. Because we have gathered together. We have gathered to worship you. We have gathered to hear from you. We have gathered, Lord, to, to understand to comprehend you better. We thank you for this opportunity and we ask 
that as we meet here today, that you will have touched each one of us in a very special way. For your kingdom and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, as I share with you, I, I'm going to ask for a mic and maybe somebody to, uh, to help us with that because I'm going to need some answers because I want to involve you in the, in the message this morning. Just before I share this morning, let's just take a moment to, to invite the Lord. Father, your word is powerful and your spirit carries your word into our hearts. And so, Father, this morning we want to hear from you. And so we invite your spirit to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. It truly is about what God can do, not what I can do. Because my work is, is really powerless. It is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ that makes all the difference. I, I want to, as I said, begin by asking you to participate in uh, this morning's message. I mentioned uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago how when we gather here on Sunday, we're not an audience. We are participants in worship. We all get involved. Preaching is just one of the ways in which we can reach a broader audience than and in a small group, so conversation becomes a little bit more difficult. But it's about learning, and it's about engaging, and it's about serving. So the question I have this morning that I want a few of you to share is this. What have you seen or experienced, or what have you been involved in that has been a great encouragement to you, that has uh, been this enormous inspiration that has motivated you into some kind of action. So what have you experienced that have been life-changing? I'd, I'd like a few people to share. Life-changing experience. Don't be shy. I know it takes the first one. After that, it rolls. Hello. There we go. <laughs> um, the list can go on and on. Um, one most recently would be my vehicle got stolen at 3 o'clock in the morning, probably about a month ago. And I watched it pull away, and that was quite awful. And the first moment was panic. And I was banging on the window, and I told my husband, and he chased off after them. And I was calling 911, and then I just had that moment of calm and remembrance that I just needed to pray. And mm. I just fell down in our front driveway, and I prayed. And I prayed that everything was going to be okay, and that it was in the Lord's hands, and that all the things good will work together for them that love him and are called to his purpose. And though I might not fully understand the extent of that verse, I just continued to pray and fast for the rest of the day. And 12 hours later, the vehicle was found. Um, the wallet, the keys, everything in the vehicle was found. Nothing was stolen out of the vehicle. Though the vehicle was a write-off, it was on the need of I was going to be needing a new vehicle. So um, ICBC, <laughs> thank you ICBC for um, giving me a new vehicle. And in the Lord's humor, I ended up finding the exact same vehicle that got stolen. And it was about two years newer. And my family's got a ride and we're all taken care of. So Hallelujah. Thank you to the Lord. Amen. <laughs> 
anybody else have something that they have experienced or something that they have seen or been involved in that has been life-changing or, or just makes this powerful, powerful impact on your life? I have read the story of Abraham over and over and over again. And, and I know that, and we all know the story of Abraham, when he went with Isaac up in the mountain and, and, uh, and had his son lay on the altar and, and was ready to, to cut him. He had the mm -hmm. knife out. And God said, no, no. Uh, the angel of God said, there was uh, provided a sacrifice. And I thought, you know, so often, we want immediate, we're, we live in a world of instantaneous things. Right, we want right. it right now. And you know, that's taught me, it was just an eye opener. You know, I think about our future, you know, my husband is well, and all these things want to come to mind. What, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? How's that going to happen? What's going to take place? How am I going to get the kids? All these kind of things. And I think, God, you will provide at the moment that it is needed. Not now, not tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow, but whenever, at the very moment that it's Amen. needed. And that's what I trust God for. Amen. 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 Thank you uh, for sharing. Anyone else before I share a little story? Okay. I'll learn your names as time goes on. Yeah. Um, I just love the way the Lord takes care of us each and every day. Before I even get out of bed in the morning, I usually have a thought of, of what he's done in my life. But uh, recently, over the last few years, I've grown to know him even more and love him even more. And how it works is you get out of bed in the morning, you have your cereal in the morning, everything seems to be the same. But everything is changed by seconds of our day. Mm -hmm. And just walking down the street, um, you can be thinking about someone and praying for someone. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He brings people to mind throughout the whole day. Mm -hmm. It is so important. And I know that many, many people have been praying for Wendy and I. And I thank the Lord each and every day for it. Yes. Circumstances happen. Life changes. And it, it impacts us in very powerful, powerful ways. Uh, a story from just a little ways back, back in 2005. Uh, Sherry and I went to Israel. But as we walked the streets of Jerusalem, I was impacted by this one fellow because he was walking up the streets. He had this uh, bag on, the, on his side. And in his bag were a number of tracks. But he was walking up and down the streets of Jerusalem looking for his own people to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. When we talked to him, this man was in tears over it. I, I, it, it, was, it was like I was talking to Paul, and Paul says, I would die, I would give my life for my folks. I would go to hell for them so that they could be saved. That was the love, the passion that this man had. It was a powerful, powerful moment. Just recently, actually it was this past week, something wonderful happened as well. I was thinking about the gleaners that, that I'm working for at the present time, and I'm leaving to come 
to Penticton. And those people, there was 55 volunteers and a few employees, just loved working with them. And I wanted to honor them. And so Sherry and I bought this big loin, this uh, pork loin, and I said, let's have a little party, and I'll provide this, and everybody bring a little bit, and uh, we'll join together. Well, what happened is we all joined together on Tuesday evening, and the tables turned because I wanted to honor them. Instead, they honored me. And I was blown away by that because I've always made it about them. They're the reason the store is a success. They're the reason that people are being fed. Millions of people are being fed because of what they give. The neat thing is that this is like a family. We work together. We share our problems together. We share our lives together as we interact with one another. The, the, the store is really about a social factor more than it is about it selling furniture and appliances. There's a real bond that happens between people. In fact, because of the actions of the people that I work with, there's a number of volunteers who are not believers. But over the years, several of those non-believers have come to faith because of what they have seen and because of what they have experienced. And that is powerful. This morning, I want to share from the Word, and I want to share a few things that may be powerful, but they may also grip you in a very profound way that may cause you to want to push back. Because sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes we don't want to hear the truth. I want to encourage you, but yet there are times when it's, it's, it's not me. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that's going to prick your hearts. So I want to start with an Ephesians passage. Passage from chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. And here's what Paul writes. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, and do not get drunk with wine. That's not the passage I'm looking at. I'm on the wrong page. <laughs> I am prone to make some mistakes. I was wondering, I was thinking, how does that fit with my passage? Some of it does, but that's fine. <laughs> Maybe I was meant to share that as, as kind of an introduction. Uh, verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Kind of goes with the other side, doesn't it? Be careful how you live. As Christians, 
Are we simply called to a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ or a belief in God or the gospel, or is there more? Is there more than just believing? Yes. There is far more. There's much, much more than just simply having a faith. It's about works of service. And that's why in our passage, Paul goes to the extent of telling us how these people are going to help us into a place of service. Because that's really what it's about. It's about building each other up. It's about being united together. It's about understanding and growing to become mature in the faith. It's about emulating the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I say to myself, does my life emulate the Lord Jesus Christ? Do I want to be honest? No. I don't compare. I'm not even close. But there's a process, right? We're on a journey becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ starts with works of service. Service cultivates unity. Service cultivates unity with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the body of Christ. I want to share this from experience. I've been in in the pastorate for over 20 years, and I can tell you that every single pastor's desire is that his church grow spiritually. That his church grow not only spiritually, but numerically. Every pastor wants to see this church go from 100 to 150 or from 150 to 300. Every pastor wants to see his church grow in both the spiritual side and the numerical side. But he also wants to see his church grow in maturity. It's not just about coming to faith. It's not just about numbers. It's about maturing growing as Christians. It's about the relationship that people have with each other. It's about growing in community involvement. He does not want to see a church that is enclosed in four walls. He wants to see a church that is in the community. Here's the bad news. No pastor can do it. No pastor can do it. The only person that can do it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Him working through people. He could be working through the pastor. He could be working through church leaders. He could be working through individuals in the church. That's the way the church grows. Spiritually, numerically, in the community. The church is people. It's not a one-man show. The word church in our Bibles is translated from the Greek word ecclesia, which really means this, a congregation, an assembly, a gathering of people. That's what the church is. It's the assembly of all of us. But why do we assemble? We have to think about that a little bit. 
Is it for one purpose only? Or are there multiple purposes for gathering? We might say, okay, yes, we are the church. But now what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? And I'm going to say this a little bit on the sarcastic, actually not a little bit, a lot on the sarcastic side, okay? Here's the church and what the church is about. Get dressed on Sunday morning, go to church, say hello to a few familiar faces as we enter the building, go down to the same seat that we always sat in for years, sing a few of our most favorite songs, enjoy a nice message that doesn't challenge us too much, and then go home and do it again next week. That's a little sarcasm there. That's not the purpose of the church. That's not why we gather. I don't know about you, but I get a totally different understanding when I read this passage in Ephesians. When Paul says, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people for a work of service. Remember I asked you about a moment that has changed your lives or might have changed? I know there's lots of people who didn't stand up, but I'm sure that all of us have had moments in our lives where something happened that totally changed the way we look at things. Here's a passage, a story, a story that I want to share that kind of puts together the idea of a church and what we're supposed to do. In 1976, there was a Special Olympics, and it was a track and field event in Seattle. Nine mentally handicapped con contestants were start at the starting line for a 100-yard dash. How many have heard the story? Okay, that's great. When the, gun fire, when the gun fired to start the race, each contestant took their very first step. They took their first step with the hopes of winning the race, finishing and winning the race. As they neared the finish line, the forerunning contestant noticed one of his competitors stumbling and tumbling over several times. He glanced back. Then he looked forward to the finish line. That was his goal, to finish first. He could easily win the race, but then he did something totally unthinkable. He turned and he made his way back to the fallen man. Then a few other athletes stopped and helped the fallen runner up. And they joined their arms together and they made their way over the finish line together. The stadium crowd gave a standing ovation in support of this heroic event and cheered for several minutes. It's a good picture, isn't it? It's not about self. God didn't put us here to look after ourselves. He put us here to look after the kingdom, his people. Action affirms unity. These contestants were united together as one. Action affirms unity. I believe call, God is calling us to break this individuality that we have practiced. The world says we are an individual. 
The world says, everything is about me. The world says, get as much as you can. That'll make you happy. That'll satisfy you. It's about personal preferences. It's about personal agendas. It's about the selfish desires that we have. That's not the way God operates. The walls of division, I believe, is something that makes God very sad. He doesn't want to see us go apart. He wants to see us come together. God weeps. He weeps when he sees the lost. We see a testimony that pushes them away from him rather than drawing towards him. He weeps because so many times the lost do not see the Lord Jesus Christ in us. But when we operate in unity, you know what the unbelieving see? They see the Lord Jesus Christ. When they see us working together, when they see us having fun together, when they see us just spending time and having this wonderful relationship with each other, they see the Lord Jesus Christ. And they long, they long to be part of that body. I don't know if you've been anywhere. Years ago, Sherry and I were at a wedding, and it was pretty dull, but we had a card at our table. Dennis could make anyone laugh. And as we sat at this table, there was story after story. There was laughter after laughter. And after the wedding, we were told there were people all over the room. They wanted to join us because that's where things were happening. They didn't want to sit at their table. They wanted to sit at our table where things were happening. Matthew chapter 17, verse 19, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And actually, he has. He's given us the key. Where there's unity, there's power. Where there's power, there's effectiveness. And where there's effectiveness, there's transformation. There's transformation. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 8 says, Five of you will chase a hundred. This is the effectiveness that went into play into the Old Testament. A hundred of you will chase ten thousand. Wow, this is the power of God. As they unite together, they made a difference. There's an exciting dynamic when, when multiplication takes place. Imagine what God would do if we were united together as one in this church. Imagine what he would do. Jesus prayed fervently. And I want to read that passage. Prayed fervently in uh, Matthew chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. Matthew chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. Here's what Jesus prayed. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. Jesus' prayer was not just for his apostles. I believe his prayer was for everyone. 
He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. When we love, when we love others, as Jesus loved us, we're drawn to each other. Because love draws, draws people together. What happens when, when love reaches out, walls fall down. It doesn't matter what barriers are there. Love breaks through those walls. There's a spirit of independence that's broken. It's no longer about you alone. It's, it's about us. Competition is destroyed. Because isn't that what the world wants? The world wants competition. Compete against one another. And Satan tries to bring out accusations, but when love works, accusations fall apart. Lost souls begin to see and seek the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're together, in other words, when we are united, Jesus says, the world will know that they, that they can see Jesus in us. The world will know. The world will also know that Jesus is real. He's authentic. Because they see that authenticity in us. If they don't see it in us, how will the world know? How will the world know? I've mixed some things up here this morning. So I have to go back. Because I missed a very important part. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We might ask this question, what dynamic power do we have to impact people's lives? What dynamic power do we have? We might say, well, we have the verbal message. But it's not through verbal message that we make that impact. Words are a principle to the gospel. God requires us to use words when the time comes. It's not our prayers that are totally effective. Although prayer is very, very important. We can't dismiss prayer at all. God moves through prayers. It isn't our good behavior. Jesus commands us to be in our good behavior. He commands us to be obedient. And it's clearly a testimony, but that doesn't change a person's heart. It isn't our good deeds. 
although deeds are evidence of the fruitfulness in our lives. But it is love and relationship that makes a big difference. Jesus changed people's hearts and lives because he loved them. People didn't go around looking at Jesus and say, oh, he's so good, I'm going to follow him. They looked at the relationship that Jesus was developing with them. That's what drew these people. If we go back in Scripture, we find that before Jesus even did a miracle, crowds of people followed him. Why? Because he loved them. He developed a relationship with them. And that built community. And community builds a unity. Passage that, uh, that I wanted to share. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. Actually, before that. First jo- or John chapter three, 13, verses 34 and 35. This is the foundation of unity. Jesus says this. He says, I give you a new command. He gave us a command. He said, love the Lord your God. And that was given way back in the Old Testament. And love your neighbor as yourself. But now Jesus says, a new command I'm giving you. He ups the ante, actually. It's not just love your neighbor. In this passage, Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. All men will know. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 5. Love is outlined. Love is patient. Because sometimes we say, how do we love? Jesus says, or, or 1 Corinthians says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not easily. It is not different pages. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. So what does love cause? A relationship, unity. And when that, in order for that to happen, there has to be communication. There has to be an interest. We have to take care of each other. We have to have an understanding of one another. There needs to be some kind of friendship that takes place. There needs to be a blending together for a common cause. Sort of like our foot to our leg, or our arm, hand to our arm, or our arm to our our body. Uh, We have to stay connected. The arm can't go out by itself. It's impossible. It's not connected to the body and to the head. It can't do anything. It is lifeless. Same way with the church. If we don't communicate, if we're not part, if we're not connected, then there's no communication, there's no working together, there's no union, there's no results, just 
lifeless limbs. That's what happens in some churches. It's just an attendance. Become lifeless. We don't want to see that happen. We want to be full of life. We want to be full of the Spirit. When people see us come out of our gatherings, they should see a people who are joyful, a people who are enthusiastic, a people who are ready to share what we have. Communication leads to relationship. Relationship leads to unity, which means that we have to talk to one another and we have to understand one another. There's a story that's told about a small country church where the pastor called a special meeting of the congregation. He called this meeting to approve, to approve of the purchase of a brand new chandelier. Well, after much discussion of all of the pros and the cons, one old farmer stood up and he said this. He said, first of all, it's too expensive and we can't afford this chandelier. Second, nobody around here knows how to play one. And third, what we really need in this church is a new light fixture. (laughs) Communication, right? Sometimes we want the same things, but we don't communicate with, enough, with each other. We, we, we talk about the things that we want, and we talk about the things they want, but if we come together, we find that we want the same thing. And if we work together towards the same thing, it can be accomplished. We're so often trying to go in the same direction, but we're, we're traveling miles apart. But unity is loving, it's caring, it's communicating, it's understanding, it's walking together on the same road toward the same goals. Jesus often talked about the oneness that he had with the Father. And he says in John chapter 8, verse 28, I do nothing on my own, just what the Father has taught me. In other words, Jesus didn't go out on his own. He didn't make his own way. Him and the Father worked together in total unity. If we think about it, this is really difficult because it goes against our our sinful nature. our, Our sinful nature says, I want to work independently. I want things to go my way. I want to be in control. Our sinful nature says, I want to be God of my life. I want to be God of my life. Our sinful nature has this desire to say, this is what's happened here, and guess who did it? I did. And everybody look at me. Because I did something that was important. Or... There may also be the other side, is looking critically at everything and thinking that the other person couldn't possibly do it as well as you could. I'm the better person for the job. Well, here's another little story. Two taxidermists stopped in front of a window where they saw an owl that was on display. 
And immediately the first thing that they did is they criticized. They disapproved of the way the owl was mounted. Then they looked at its eyes and they grumbled, it's not natural the way those eyes are placed. Its wings are not in proportion to its head. Its feathers are not nearly neatly enough uh, arranged. And its feet, well, its feet could be in a different position to make it more real. And just as they had finished all of their criticism, the owl turned its head and blinked. (laughs) It's far easier to be correct or critical than it is to be correct. What God had made, they criticized. It wasn't perfect. But let's let God do the work. Let's let God do the work. Because action affirms unity. I believe that God is calling us to break the barriers. The barriers between individual preferences. We all have them. We prefer this, or we prefer that, or we like this more, or we like that more. Then there's personal agendas. God wants to break the barriers of personal agendas. All of us have agendas. We want to see things go in a certain way, in a certain direction. There's also selfish desires. All of us have them. We have a desire that, that caters to our own needs or wants. The walls of division and competition are something that God sees as hurtful to the church. He doesn't want to see it in the church. I believe God weeps because, as I'd mentioned, the love walk away. I mean, the, the lost walk away because they don't see God in us. They see the world in us. Unity lets the world know that Jesus is real. I want to leave you with this challenge here today. I want to ask you this question. Something for each of us to think about. As individuals, are you contributing to an independent spirit in this body? Or is your work about unifying the body? Are you seeking to break down the walls between individuals and personal preferences or personal choices? Are you working to break them down? Are you trying to hold on to them? Think about this. Until we walk in the spirit of unity, we will be a hindrance to a world of unbelievers who are watching us very closely. Until we walk in a spirit of unity, those outside will not see Christ. Let us pray and let us put our feet to prayers. I don't know how you pray, 
I know there's a lot of needs to pray for. But so often I find that half my prayer is about me. Because I need, <laughs> I need God. I need direction. I need change in me. You can pray for a lot of things out there, but nothing changes until God changes me. Let each of us take the first step in becoming an example of Christ to others. I want to close with this illustration. It has to do with a spotlight and a laser beam. Do you know what makes the difference between a spotlight and a laser beam? Ever wonder how a laser beam can cut through steel, plate steel in a matter of seconds while the most powerful spotlight only warms it? The interesting thing is that both of them use the same amount of power and the same electrical outlets. The real difference is unity. The laser beam is described as excited molecules reflecting off each other. They're in this tiny tube and they just reflect off each other. They bounce off each other and this is called a photon. These photons attract other photons to join them on the journey through the beam. They in turn attract more photons in the parade. Squeezed together tightly and and they, they, they just get each other excited more and more and more join and more join and pretty soon there's a whole bunch of them all concentrated in one direction. The next thing you know you have this huge army of photons in one step. And in unity, they give laser its power. A spot lamp, on the other hand, has just as many photons, but each photon is going its own independent way, and even at times interfering with each other. They're not excited at all. They don't attract. Its power is dispersed and wasted and can only give a little warmth. The laser, because of its unity, is in partnership. Its focus creates such intense heat, it blows right through its objective. So here's the question. Do you want to be a spotlight? Or do you want to be a laser beam? Do we just want to warm the seat in our pew? Or do we want to make a difference for God's kingdom? It's a question we have to wrestle with. And I know it's easier. It's easier to do nothing. It's easier to be comfortable. None of us like to get out of our comfort zones. But if we don't get out of our comfort zones, we don't accomplish anything. So I'm going to close in prayer and invite the worship team to come. Father, I know some of the things in this message are are difficult because it's looking inside of ourselves. It's questioning ourselves. It's asking, where do I stand? How far will I go? Will I get out of my comfort zone? Am I content or am I discontent? Do I have this holy discontent in my life? 
Do I love you so much that I want to make a difference? And so God, as we wrestle with these questions, Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, give us the answer? Would you speak to us through your word and through your spirit, through the body of Christ? Father, bring us to that place where you want us, the place where we are a testimony, where we are a witness, where we begin to excite one another, where we begin to make a difference in a world that is lost. And there's no greater importance than to be that person or that witness to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ than today. The world is changing, Lord. But Lord, may we help the world to change in a positive way that they may see you. Grant us, Father, the strength and the power of your Holy Spirit to accomplish that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.